Well, good morning. What a wonderful morning for us to be together. So glad that you're here and so glad we have a chance now to dive into the scriptures together. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you, I encourage you to look to Revelation 4 and 5. We're going to spend our time there, just kind of unpack some of what John is going to share with us. But as you're turning there, I just want to ask you a question. What, what's the loudest crowd that you've ever been in? A crowd where it was just a deafening roar. You, you are surrounded by people and, and there is so much noise. Maybe you've been to a concert. Uh, we, we've come through a lot of you know, crazy basketball. We had March Madness, the NBA Finals. Maybe you've been to some sporting event. Maybe you've been to a kid's soccer game on a Saturday. Those things can get kind of crazy at times. But what's the loudest crowd you've been in? Maybe as we think about even up the road. I mean, back in February, what did we see at SoFi Stadium? We saw a home team playing for the, the Super Bowl championship and winning in front of their home crowd. I mean, think about the loudest crowd you've been in. Whatever image that may be, I'm sure it's not hard for us to imagine a deafening roar. We kind of get that picture in our scripture reading this morning that Stefan read for us, Revelation 5.13. As we look at what John describes there, he says, Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them. I mean, what does John just describe for us? He has tried to capture every possible aspect of creation. He's identified everyone. And what are they doing? They are all singing in unison together. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. All creation singing the same thing, all the words at once. Now, have you ever been to one of those big sporting events? And, you know, you, you've decided it's maybe the best time right now for me to take a restroom break, or maybe I'll try to beat the crowds to the concessions. And so you step out, and you're back in the back, and you're, you're standing in line, and then you hear it. You hear the crowd go crazy. You're thinking, oh, my goodness, what am I missing out there? I could, let's get that popcorn going, because i got to get back out. And you get back out to your family, to your buddies, whoever you're there with, and what's the first thing that you do? What did I miss? What did I miss? I heard something was going on there. We kind of feel the same here because we are hearing the crowd go crazy. We're at the end of chapter 5 and we're wondering, what have we missed? What is it that has led to this point? And really to understand that, we have to go back to the beginning of chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 1. And so again, if you're there in those passages, we're just going to kind of walk through what it is that, that John is seeing. John will say that, that after this, um, that he... He looked and there was a door before him. Now, he has just written the letters to the churches. He's had this revelation of what to send to the seven churches. And he says, after that, there was this door and there's this voice. And this voice says, come and let me show you what will take place. And so John is suddenly transported into this heavenly vision. And, and John is, is going to try to take notes for us. But, but we are going to see that John finds the limits of language. There is only so many words that he can find to describe everything that he's about to see. For instance, look at what he sees right to begin with. Verses 2 and 3. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald and circled the throne. I mean, already we're finding in just two verses, 
we're finding stuff that has to be unpacked. There's, there's a throne and there's stones and, and there's this crazy rainbow kind of thing that's going on there. And if you know your stones, I, I don't know my stones, so I had to look it up and see what jasper actually is. Jasper and ruby. Got a, got a picture here uh, for... Um, it's kind of the brownish, reddish stones, and so that's what he's seeing there. And then he sees this thing. He says it's, it's like a rainbow, but it's kind of an emerald, and what does that mean? Maybe this is a possibility. It's, you know, the, the idea of maybe a green northern light. So, I mean, seven colors in the rainbow, and yet it's all green. We don't know what it is that John sees. There's a lot that catches our attention. And, and there's a lot that threatens to distract us because we want to start chasing these rabbits of what are, what are these brown stones and what is this green emerald? And I, I want to see if you remember from your kids or maybe you have them right now. Have you ever seen those kid leashes? Yeah. I don't know if it's humane or not. I'm not sure. I'm not judging anybody that wants to use a leash, but... but we find that John, in some ways, almost has to put a little kid leash on us. Because we want to start chasing all of this, these questions. But, but John is, is going to, he's not going to yank, he's not going to pull, but, but he's going to gently tug us back, pull us back to, to catch what it is that he's trying to get us to see. Because it's easy to get sidetracked. It's easy to chase those rabbit trails. But John doesn't want us to miss the point. He doesn't want us to miss the point of what it is that he's actually trying to show us. For instance, in this initial vision, again, he says that I saw this throne, and, and, and it's not just a throne. There's someone who's sitting on it. And, and he does talk about Jasper and Ruby and these stones, but he says the one who sat there had the, the appearance of these stones. It's not about the throne and the stones and this green rainbow emerald thing that's going around. No, it's about the one who sits on the throne. And so John, he gently pulls us back. He says, no, 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 come here. Don't get lost. Come back here. Let, 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 me, let me lift your chin and point your eyes. And I want you to see the one, the one who is sitting there. And, and he says that now because... Even in what he's about to share, it's going to be tempting to want to follow this tangent. Look what he says in verse 4. He says, not only is there the throne, but surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones. And seated on them were 24 elders. Now that raises all sorts of questions. What, who is this? There's now 24 other thrones? And, and who are these elders? And he'll tell us that they're wearing white and they have crowns of gold, and what is this, John, and who could that be? And it raises all of these questions for us. Now, why are there 24? Well, well maybe, we don't know, to be honest, but it's possible that in, back in First Chronicles, uh, when David is he's, uh, identifying the priest who will serve their duties, First Chronicles 24, we, we find that he separates them into 24 sections. That's a possibility. Maybe it's a biblical number, and we think of the number 12, the 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 apostles. Maybe it's a combination of those. It raises all sorts of questions, and John says, those are good questions, and I can see why you want to be chasing down that rabbit trail, but come back here. Don't let me lose you. Don't let me lose you, because these 24 thrones, these 24 elders, they are pointing us to the one. And as John gently tugs, he says, and I hate to throw you off track, but 
What I'm about to tell you is probably going to blow your mind again, because if you think that's curious, check this out. Verse 6. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. It's like we've entered a Pablo Picasso picture. And, and he says the, the first living creature was like a lion, and the second was like an ox, and the third had the face like a human, and the fourth was like a flying eagle. And each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under the wings. And we see the rabbit trail, and we're like, John, i got to find out, what is this? Who are these beings, and, and what is going on here? And, and, and those eyes, they, they indicate knowledge and they indicate sight, uh, vision, the ability to see. Uh, the, the faces, if, if you think about those four faces, uh, they, they represent all aspects of creation. Uh, the lion, the first one is the lion. Who's, who's the king of the jungle? The lion is the king of the jungle. Uh, in an agricultural society, who is, which is the strongest of the domesticated animals? It's going to be the ox. Um, you, you think about... People have been charged with ruling and, and, and the rule and dominion over creation. When you think about the birds of the air, which one is the, the greatest of the birds? As much as we may love feeding pigeons, it's not the pigeons, it's the eagles. And so, so there's something to be said here of, of kind of this broadness of creation that, that all are represented there. It, it even it pulls us into thinking about Ezekiel's vision. I mean, you think this one's weird? Ezekiel has a, a similar vision of Four creatures, but it's four creatures, and they all have four faces. The, the creatures have a face of, a, of each one of these things, a lion, an ox, a, a person, and an eagle. And so, so it leads us to all of those things, and, and we're chasing all of those answers. But John, we'll let that tug, and he kind of gets us back, and he says, I know, I know, it's crazy. I, I, I'm, I'm struggling to even... Be able to describe what it is that I'm seeing. But I want you to notice, what is it that they're doing? Where is their focus? And where is their attention? And we hear that these four living creatures, with all the eyes and these weird faces, that day and night, they never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Where is the focus in all of this? It's not the stones, it's not the faces, it's not the wings, it's not the eyes. The focus is on the one who sits on the throne. What or whom does John want us to see? It, the song that they proclaim, it, it calls to mind Isaiah's vision. Isaiah has this vision in the temple in Isaiah 6. of The, the, the temple is filled with the train of God's robe, and, and, and the, the seraphim are, are singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. What, what trait is it that consumes the thought of those who live in the presence of God? It's his holiness, that, that he is... He is sacred and separate and set apart and perfect and without taint. And, and, and this is not some robotic expression that's going on, like you've just pushed a button, a Buzz Lightyear button, and holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It's, 
It's not robotic. No, they can't say it enough. They are flying around and they say, oh my goodness, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And whoa, and if you look from over here, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Are you checking this out? Holy, 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 they can't say it enough. They are captured. Their attention is focused completely and solely on the one who sits on the throne. And when they recognize that, these four living creatures, guess what those 24 elders are doing? Their attention goes the same direction. And we hear them say that whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, those 24 elders, they fall down before the throne and they lay their crowns before the throne and they say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. Every eye in the room, literally every eye in the room, remember they're, co they're covered in eyes, all of those eyes are focused on the one. That is, until John notices, huh, what is that in his right hand right there? He seems to be holding something. And he sees, in chapter 5, verse 1, he sees that in this hand, I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. There's an angel that will ask, who is worthy to open this scroll? And we discover that there's no one who is able to do so. The idea of a scroll is the idea of, of, of revelation. Not, not the book revelation like we're reading, but the idea of divine revelation. That, that this is, is everything that is, is to come. This is, is what the one who sits on the throne is, is revealing. And so the question is, who will be able to open this up? Who can, can see what it is that's going to transpire? But there is no one who is worthy. No one who can even peek inside. And John will tell us that he weeps. He weeps and he weeps because no one is worthy. And we'll never know what it is that was intended to be revealed. That is, until... One of the elders, those 24 elders, one of them will tell John, hey, don't weep. The lion of the tribe of Judah has triumphed. He is worthy. And we hear the lion of the tribe of Judah, and we know who to expect, don't we? We know that we're going to be able to turn, and we're going to see Aslan standing there in all of his glory with the breeze blowing through his mane. And that's what John is ready to turn to, and he's ready to see this lion of the tribe of Judah. And yet when he turns and he looks, it's not a lion, but it's, in fact, in verse 6, a lamb. A lamb looking as if it was slain. Now, I'm sure we're already kind of tracking there with John. We, we hear lion, and we know G Jesus is a king, and, and we hear lamb, and we know that's Jesus. But, but why show him as a lamb? Why is that the way in which he is revealed, in which he is, um, is, is unveiled? We know that the mightiest act of our King Jesus 
was in his selfless sacrifice. Gary talked about earlier the, the willingness to lay down his own life for us all. It calls to mind in the Gospel of John. When John the Baptist will see Jesus, he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But, but as awesome as that reference is, did you catch where it is that the Lamb is standing? Let's go back there to verse 6 again. And in verse 6, then I saw a Lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. Where did he say that the Lamb is standing? In the center on the throne, surrounded by, what is the significance? What is John trying to tell us here? We say a picture is worth a thousand words, and what has he just communicated to us? He has spoken in definitive declaration of the deity of Christ. Again, John is the one who tells us at the beginning of his gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and through him all things have been made. And when John sees this heavenly scene unfold, he sees that Jesus, the lamb, the lion, the lamb is standing in the center of the throne. He alone is worthy to take the scroll. That's what we hear next is that he goes and he takes the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the crowd goes wild. These four living creatures who day and night never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. These 24 elders who, in response to the living creatures worship, they join in that worship. Well, now when the Lamb takes the scroll, we hear them sing a new song. You are worthy, and this is pointed to the Lamb. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. And they will reign on earth. Their song has now shifted in focus. Not just to the one who is on the throne, but to the lamb as well. And it's not just them because the song is just getting started. John suddenly notices his attention has been just here on the throne, on the four, on the 24. But then, then he starts looking around and he begins to see that, that they are surrounded by thousands upon thousands and, and ten thousands times ten thousands angels. And what are those angels all doing? They are focused on the throne and they too are singing their own song. And he hears this voice, and they encircled the throne of the living creatures. And in a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And now we're back at our reading. And we have wondered what we missed. Tell me, what did I miss when I was gone? Because here in our reading, we, if you remember, he hears every creature in heaven, on earth, under the earth, and on the sea, and all that is in them. And what are they doing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb? Be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. John is trying to tell us, look, look, so that you can see. Look at the one and look at the Lamb. Look at those who are worthy of all worship. Now imagine that you were at SoFi 
And imagine you, you saw the victory happen. And imagine that just as the confetti begins to fall and the crowd begins to roar and the celebration begins to happen, just imagine if the person next to you reaches in their pocket and says, oh, man, I just got a, a call that came in. I, I got to go take this. I'll be back. What are you doing? How? You can't leave here. Didn't you just see what happened with a minute 25? Uh, we, we had uh, Matthew Stafford hits Cooper Cup and they, they, they won the game right there. How can you leave right now? And yet, I have to wonder that, that aren't there ways in which even as John reveals this heavenly scene, and the one who is worthy of all of our attention, that we too find that the texts start coming in. And, and we're suddenly reminded about those pressures at work that are going on, and we've got a bunch of stuff happening, and promotions are coming up, and I'm, I'm not sure what to do with that. And, 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 and maybe there's tensions at home. Maybe relationships are, are, are on edge right now and, and the, the texts are coming in and, and maybe there's health concerns and maybe there's financial problems and, and maybe it's just there's stuff going on inside of me and I can't even put my finger on it. But, but the calls are coming in and we see Jesus and, and, and we know his place and, and we're thankful for what he's done, but we're worried and we're overwhelmed. We find that th these distractions begin to divert our attention, and, and just as we're ready to depart, we feel that little tug. And John says, no, come here. you, you got to come back here. Because he says, I, I, I know, I know that this is hard. And I know it's, it's heavy. But you are exactly where you need to be. We want so desperately to be in a world without pain and without suffering. I mean, even just this morning, our, our minds have been called to fires, to, to senseless shootings, to, to poverty and to HIV and to, to suffering around the world. We want a world without pain. And John will tell us it is coming. We will get to the point by the time we get to chapter 21, 22, when, when he will make all things new and he will wipe away every tear. But understand that, that there is suffering that will still come. There is suffering that, that is going to happen. Um, if you want to see some suffering, and we'll get to this verse in just a second. If you want to see some suffering, stick around for chapter 6. Chapter 6, the scrolls are going to be open. And, and we're going to see the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And we're going to see all sorts of pain going on in our world around us. But check it out. We've just been in this passage, this heavenly scene of worship. And, and, and even here, did you catch the, the hint of suffering? I, I dare say it's not even a hint. It's, it's standing in the center of it all. As, as we go back through all of those layers of praise and all of creation and all of the angels and, and all of the elders and, and all of the four living creatures and, 
where did we actually see suffering taking place? The lamb who looked as if what? Had been slain. Even in this beautiful, glorious scene of heavenly worship, there is one who stands in the center. There is one who understands pain and suffering. There is one who refused to make himself immune to any of that, but was willing to step into our world, the word becoming flesh, becoming like one of us, and taking upon himself all of our sin and all of our shame and all of our suffering. He stands in the center of the throne. And he understands what you and I are going through. And as our passage from John chapter 16 reminds us, he will tell his disciples, in this world you will have troubles. I am not promising you a path without pain. But I am telling you, you can take heart because why? Because I have overcome. I stand in the center of it all. And suddenly, it's here in this moment that we turn to John and we say, John, I don't need this leash anymore. And, and John, I, it is going to be hard, but I'm going to put my phone down and I'm going to raise my hand and I'm going to simply worship. Holy, holy, holy. You alone are worthy of all glory and honor and praise. If you saw the movie Free Guy, you know, it's a story about a, a guy, his, his name is Guy, and he's trying to figure out his place in life. He, he can't find um, his purpose, he can't find meaning, he can't find direction until he finally gets a pair of glasses and he's able to see what's truly going on. And when he gets to see and he gains that sight, life suddenly makes sense. In so many ways, John is sharing his vision so that you and I might gain vision to better see. There's no doubt that each one of us have brought in our worries and troubles that, that are hanging heavy on our own hearts. The hope this morning, the prayer this morning, is that you might see. You might see the one who stands at the center of it all. The one who is worthy of all of our praise. And if there is any way in which you wish to respond to his place in the world, in your life. If you wish to accept him in baptism or simply ask the prayers of this church, our elders will receive you as you respond while we stand and sing. We are a moment, you are forever. Lord of the ages, God before time. We are a moment.